Hello. Spencer, what's up? What up, Gotti? My fellow Patriots fan. You know it. That was a that was a long, you know. The Eagles got us. You know, two first of all, two touchdowns should have counted. But it was a long year. It was a long wait to get that Super Bowl back, and we finally did it. Yep. Now we're going for uh, seven. Is that is that where we are now? Is number six? That was number six. Matched, uh, Jordan. Yeah. It's only taken him twice as long, but still. <laughs> you know what was funny? Uh, at the A Main Hobbies Manufacturers Cup, there was this uh, gentleman sitting next to me, and uh, he, there were so many other pit spots that was open. He was a local there, and he had to pick the one, the smallest spot next to me because I had like my full table, and uh, I just happened to come out of the blue. <laughs> Who's your favorite? You know, quarterback, because we're talking, oh, he's like, oh, uh, Joe Montana. He's like the best ever. There you go. Uh, I I asked him, I'm like, you, have you heard of this guy? Uh, he's kind of new. His name is Tom Brady. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I hate that guy. What, what a what a schmuck. Yeah. Schmoha. And I was like, yeah, I think, I think he has – a few few Super Bowl rings, and the guys like, yeah, I don't even know who, I don't even know how many rings he has, but I'm not a big fan of him. <laughs> the tree with the best apples has the most stones thrown at it. Is that like an actual saying? Yeah, that's what Ernie used to always say. He used to say, really? yeah, the, he used to say that because uh, everybody hated Trinity back then. Okay, and he was just, he would say. Well, the tree with the best apples gets the most stones thrown at it. Hmm. Well, I mean, I'm sure that's <laughs> that's probably pretty accurate. People hate. <clears throat> I mean, you can't at this point. I mean, you really just can't uh, deny you know these the kind of success they've had. I mean. I actually, yeah. the guy I was sitting next to at the Horizon the HCP convention said he's gonna, because he was the guy that had the hobby store there in uh, uh, Foxborough, and he said that he thinks Brady's playing until forty-five. He, th- he says he thinks that's the number. I would probably agree with him. I think. Uh, hypothetically speaking, if they did win another Super Bowl back-to-back years of this next year coming, this next season, I don't see him retiring at all. So have are they? When's the last time they went back-to-back? A one back-to-back or went back-to-back? Yeah, was it? Because because so far it's the the last two have been there's been a space in between, right? Well. They went back to back these past two years. I would give you the years, but unfortunately, I can't. Um, Roman numerals. I have a hard time reading that. <laughs> Man, I hate those Roman numerals. They, they were going to do away with them, and <laughs> I, I have no idea what happened. Like they they just kept using them. Now I, I'm like, I think Super Bowl fifty. They were talking about just making it fifty. And they never did. They just uh, 
they just keep these damn Roman numerals, and I have no idea which one we're on until an announcer says which one. And you know, it's like crazy, man. Well, I is I is one, V is five, X is ten, and if the I is before, if I is in front of the V, it's four. It's it subtracts one. So, Jason, um, <laughs> they went back to back in two thousand four and two thousand five. So, like I said, they played against Carolina in 2004. It was 38 to 32 Patriots. And then in 2005, they played Philadelphia. And the score was 39 to 24. Okay. Or, sorry, 24 21 Patriots. So, we want to get into some RC stuff? Or? <laughs> Jason, what's the switch? Well, we're always down for RC. Tell us about your huge swing of events, Spencer. You, um, I'm trying to remember the last time I, I saw you, which race we were at. Um, doesn't seem like that long ago. Well, I just like the past few events that I've been to this last month. Yeah. So what was before the world's warm up? Um, Oh, silver state. That's where silver I saw state. You. That's where I saw you. So let's start with the world's warm up. How, um, what'd you think of that whole experience? And because uh, people are curious that listen, uh, what's going to happen at the worlds and all that. Yeah. Um, obviously, um, Dustin and I went to the world's warm up in, uh, Slovakia. We flew into uh, Austria and, uh, the experience was traveling was pretty easy. It was, no problems at all with any kind of traveling, but uh, once we got to the actual Huddy Arena and you're driving up to the facility and you're kind of looking around, you're like, are you sure we're at the right place? Because, like, looking at the building and the cosmetic look of the building, you're like, there's no way this is like an RC track because it's so, it's so nice looking. But, um, the event actually was ran pretty well. Uh, I wasn't a big fan at all of the dirt or um, how sneaky it seemed like that the x-ray guys were being. Mm. Um, just at the races, it's like you do a qualifier or do a practice run, and then you have, like, if the x-ray guys didn't do good or something, they would go into the Martin Bayer's like office, all of them. And then they would come out and then the next round they would go TQ by like 10 seconds. Like it was mm-hmm. pretty outrageous. Um, the, the dirt, the dirt very loose. It's polished. It's like, if I had to say what it's like in the States, it's like if you were, were to rent a warehouse, an empty warehouse and you were to go run on it with, you know, the um, the Proline uh, hole shots M3 compound. It, it's it's the most outrageous combination ever. I mean, I can't explain how disappointed Dustin was of of the tire choice that they picked because he, you know, we kind of thought that the bar tire, like a if they were to chose a chosen another Proline tire the electron or the positron or something in that, that frame of tire. Okay. Uh, 
Yeah, the 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 event obviously was not not bad at all. I think it's going to be one of the best worlds I'll probably ever see and experience and in, in forms to like facility wise. But um, the dirt just kind of sucks. It's it's not fun to drive on. If you in racing, if you barely tap someone, just like just a bumper tap, like you kind of would in a you know, in a race, if you accidentally slid into someone, you can kind of save it. Um, here, you you tap someone or blow on someone, you're looping out. Mm-hmm. It's the most frustrating thing a racer can ever um, can ever experience. It just you know, you're out there driving, you're like, all right, my car's all right to drive, and then as soon as you have to race with someone. And they just tap you barely. You're you're seriously out to lunch. <laughs> you just do hyper donuts. Uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to going back there and putting in the work here in the states and and figuring out what we have to do as a team with Team Associated to to win over there. And it's going to be a big challenge, but I think. A lot of us have overcome a lot of challenges, and it'll be one of the one of the one of the races to definitely win. Um, but like I said, uh, I think that once the world comes around, you know, the, I think tech might get more involved, like it usually is. So maybe if the extra guys were doing something a little fishy, then it'll be a little bit more, um, you know overwatched by the rest and all that stuff. So I think it's going to be a good, a good race. I just hope it's not a race that someone's doing something they shouldn't be doing mm-hmm. because those guys over there have been known to be um, doing the most when it comes to, if they get sort of some sort of advantage. Right. So, um, yeah, I think I think it's going to have to plan out and wait. I mean, I'm looking forward to going back there and race, but I hope there's no advantages going to their side if they can get practice when the doors are closed or they put the layout in two weeks before the Worlds. I mean, that's stuff that you're not really in control of. There's just not a lot of information, right? <clears throat> it's very, it's very um, down low of what what the deal is. Um, like I said, the event's going to be ran one of the best. It's just the structure of of the the dirt that they have, the amount of. Uh, I mean, you're talking about a, a place in the whole world where there's only probably one track that's just like this and it's literally at in their backyard for them to run on the exact surface um and they're they're definitely one of the most sneakiest companies in the business i mean there's there's no doubt about that Mm -hmm. i mean you know when we went to japan you know there's a lot of talk about maybe them running on the track or whatever but i think yokomo had some dignity and from their, you know, their their history and 
they obviously wouldn't have done that, but I, I think that might be something that X-Ray potentially could do. Potentially would do. The only thing you really could do, I suppose, is you could build the track, run on it, destroy it, and build it back the exact same way. That's really the only thing I think that you could do to get um, practice on the same type of track. Yeah, I mean, the one of the biggest thing is I'm not really more concerned about the layout. It's just it's just learning a whole new conventional driving style on that on that surface. It's something that I've never ever experienced ever. Obviously, I haven't been in the industry as long as the other veterans that have been around. But even when you know Ryan, Ryan, and Jared would run on those kind of surfaces, it was with a completely different car, rear motor that that matter. So we're running a car that's definitely not supposed to be driven on that low of traction. Or let alone, let alone that tire of choice. I mean, I mean, come on, we're running on a whole shot that we haven't ran since, like a, a tire like that since like the Finland World, like when you guys ran the double D's. Like, come on, yeah. All these, all these car manufacturers, Team Associated, Low Seat, Yokomo, whatever it may be, have designed race cars. Because there have been past worlds or big races on super high bite or artificial surfaces. And now, now that we have these special cars for those specific surfaces, oh, we're going to go run on the loosest track in the world on the most unconventional tire ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty, um, well, the timing is for. The, the timing is poor because um, unless we were going to start going the other direction um, with the cars and, you know, catering to, you know, lower grip tracks and going the other direction, sure, it would be a great choice. But, you know, we've just recently built everything, built everything around the, the lower traction. So... You know, like like you're saying that, you know, we're we're kind of going in bass backwards here. Yeah, and I mean, the the people that are going in the world are obviously the best in the world, and there's going to be a good show, no doubt about that. But for whoever does these tracks or chooses the tracks, it just doesn't make sense for the industry of just knowing what's going on in the cars that we have to make it to make it a little bit more enjoyable. I mean, I'm not complaining by any stretch. I think it's going to be the way I'm looking at it is how good of a story would it be if you go into x-ray's facility and you kick their butt. I mean, that would be one of the best stories in the, in the world to me, at least. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's definitely no negative mindset going in because I'm just looking looking at it of how good of a story it could be if you won, or mm-hmm. if or actually didn't win, you know. So, 
I don't know. I just I think that that driving on that stuff is definitely not impossible. But I think that it's it's some dirt like no other, and of how the track is is made or, or built is something that we've never seen because it's a completely different driving style. I mean, I mean you're you're talking about something that these guys are running on every day now and up until the worlds. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you, you, you can't drive the way you would normally drive here in the States. I mean, I would say typically all the tracks that I go to, you're driving somewhat similar. It's going to be difficult to take in when you know, you you go to the world's warm up, and all the European guys that would typically race with the X-ray guys that were there, Martin Bear and Bruno Coelho, and those guys couldn't even come close to them that they typically race them, and usually are close. And you can just tell that the vibe was just not that great. So, what would you? Um you know, what, what, what would you propose that, where do you think we should race or what do you think the race should really be like? I mean, you've run enough of the worlds now. Um, you know, you've, you've, you've run on uh, Japan, you ran in China and, uh, you've been on different surfaces and, uh, what would you propose that would be more ideal for, for everybody? And what, what do you think it should be like? I mean, if I had proposed something, I would, at least pick a surface that the cars nowadays suit the cars, mm-hmm. whether that's running on an artificial surface or a high bite track that grooves up. I mean, I mean, you're we're running the world is going to be ran on glass essentially. It's it's there's no grip by any stretch. Um, I mean, I I don't I don't know what facility I would pick or where at. I would just propose to whoever, like, hey, look, all the manufacturer's cars are suited for medium-high grip. Let's just mm-hmm. pick something that's going to be medium or high grip. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I see that. Or, I don't know, I've always, always thought about if they were to do a world and I, it would be cool to do. I mean, obviously, it's something that you really can't do with not enough manpower. But similar to how, um, you know, uh, when Richard Saxon did the Eighth Go Worlds in Vegas, it was in a parking lot. It pretty much it was a un. It wasn't a a facility that was normally there. If you were built able to do just for the race, just build for the race. Mm-hmm. That would be the most fair. No one's expecting what to be what. It's just, if there's a controlled tire, you just have to run it and call it a day. I agree. But it's not. Yeah, I think it, I think there should be no warm-up. I think it should be a location that, and the track that's built just for the event. And, you know, maybe there was a, you know, some other, um, but yeah, it should be very, I think very unique, uh, but 
you know, there's there's the ideal way and then there's the realistic way that can be done. I mean, they moved it to that track because it was easy. They knew they would do a good job. They had plenty of money to run the race and that it would be probably organized first class, which is what they're concerned about. The, I think if the conditions for IFMAR is the last of their concerns, they don't care about that at all because they're not racing. So yeah, they just want it to be, you know, run right and have the, um, a good facility. And yeah, I mean, that's all they that, care about. That's pretty fair to say on their behalf because they don't want to deal with it. But at the same yeah. time, I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like they should be war- they should be concerned about what the racers are concerned about of just making it as fair. And because I mean, I mean, we're, we we get we go to the world warm up right, and you know, Dustin was saying this a lot. I mean, I would agree a hundred percent. Yeah, the facility is the best in the whole world. You'll never see anything like it. This is the, the the most insane facility you'll ever see. It is so top notch. It makes freaking like I don't know banks or dealerships. Like if you anywhere that's super nice of like a facility wise, it beats it. Hmm. I mean, unbelievable. Tell us about dirt, the way they, they the, the they're cleaning up. Yeah, like we're cutting like you're like dremeling stuff in your pit. There's someone there picking up your dust. (laughs) What? Yeah, it's true. Wow. If you're cutting pins off your tires, Mm -hmm. there is someone right there to clean it right up. Jeez. So anyways, back to what I was saying is, or what Dustin and I were agreeing on, like we don't really care how clean or nice the facility is. (laughs) I'd rather have the shittiest facility or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. But if it happens to be the worst track or dirt, then what's the point of being there? The track is number one. When, when you go in, you know, for me, everywhere I've ever raced or been, that's the track is what you remember enjoying about your experience. And, if you don't have that, it's just a huge part of the equation. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm already going to say it. There's going to be <laughs> the most drama and the most, um, the most, the BS. most crap show you'll <clears throat> ever see at this world in September or whenever when we leave. You're gonna, be see good. you're gonna see it all. You're gonna see it all over Red RC. You're gonna see it all over Live RC. And it won't be, be because of the stuff. You won't see it because the facility is so nice. It's gonna be because of the track. If you talk to the X-ray guys, do they like it? You can't imagine they like it. I mean, if you guys don't uh, like it, you can't imagine. Honestly, like the X-ray guys were so. Uh, quiet so pity it seemed like at the warm-up that if you talk to them they would send you home you know it was weird they're honestly that was I, Go I, home. me personally speaking i don't think they should have raced yeah they should have waited for the world if i think they kind of thought that they didn't really know what they had for speed and then when they knew that they smoked everyone when i mean smoke they flat out smoked us. 
Yeah. They showed everyone what they needed to do. And I think that that might, that might have given us opportunity to beat them. Because if they did that at the world, like I said, there's no setup. You, there's no ball stud washers, half mill ball stud washers, camber links, anti squats, whatever it may be. Transmissions you can do to put on your car and go the same speed they're doing. It's not possible. Because we, we did it. We did everything. Little known fact. I won the world's warm-up in 2003. Oh, that worked out for you. <laughs> I made the A at the world's... Uh, I made the A main when the actual world's came around, but I didn't win. Well, at least you made the main. I, I guess what I was trying to say was... Uh, I, I did win that race, but and the track was somewhat unique to most people at the time right. because it, it was loose. It was on the loose side, so for me, it was kind of normal because it was in. It was one of the tracks I raced at, so I basically just I drove around. I easily TQ'd. I drove around and I easily won the main or was a multiple mains, and um, and then when everybody came back. You know they were all prepared, and of course the track had way more, way more grip for the actual race um, than it did at the warm up. But you know I still did well, but everybody else, um, you know, were more prepared, and the conditions changed a little bit. So I guess it's still possible that 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 kind of stuff could happen to this race too. But being indoors, our race was outdoors. So, but being indoors, I, I yeah, like you said I, I, mean, I think like the conditions. I think the conditions could be could be similar, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying at all it's not going to be possible to be. I mean, it's just going to be difficult, and I think that there's going to be some temperature differences from when we went to when the world is going to be. Obviously, mm-hmm. the world is going to be indoors, but the outside the outside temperature may be a factor. Yeah, I see what you mean, but. It's one of those things that that it's not about this race is not going to be about having the best setup. It's going to be who's going to be able to adapt to those conditions driving wise, and it's going to be something that no one's none of the people that didn't go haven't seen. Mm-hmm. And I mean. I'm going to, me personally, I'm going to be trying to change my driving style with whatever we have to do before the Worlds and um, just kind of adapting to different kind of conditions when I, where, wherever I decide to drive my, my cars for prepping and testing, it's not going to be testing special parts, special this. It's going to be more about being testing and developing a different driving style for this one particular race and trying to drive this one and smooth. Okay. But it's exactly like, I don't know, it's, it's funny I would say it now, but it's like you're watching those Rocky movies and like Rocky's getting ready for like a special fight 
like <laughs> and like he he has to go to Russia and fight so he's doing like all these different old school like <laughs> you know uh, workouts and stuff mm-hmm. and running in the snow it's like that exactly you have to you're gonna you're gonna have to gonna have to fight hard and you're gonna have to freaking do stuff that's not normal all right so let's see next next question next question let's talk about coming back and doing the manufacturer's cup how was that we're we're gonna move on from the warm-up well i had a question about the warm-up yeah i'm all fired okay go ahead well i know what your question is gonna be what what is it did you take any dirt samples home? No, not that. No, it's a serious <laughs> question, though. Because <laughs> oh, okay, well, I would have, yeah. But um, you guys were talking about the layout of the track, also. Like, does who comes up with the design for the track for the Ifmar World's layout? Is it Ifmar or is it the people that own the track? The host, the host track does. Oof. Okay. <laughs> I could see the concerns then. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. thinking maybe if Ifmar actually had, like, I don't know how all this stuff works, but if they had an official show up at the track and say, okay, now here's what we want the layout for the world. And mm-hmm. they build it, and, and, and an official stays there and make sure nobody's getting practice time on it, and then the guys show up for the race. That would be ideal. From I, That's what I would think. But Dude, you don't even understand. They have, they have to build it a certain way with with the jumps and the 180s and stuff because they have to build in a thin layer of concrete <laughs> up the faces of the jumps and out of 180s because there's no grip. Hmm. Like when you're when you're on the patches that they provide you on the layout and build on the layout, those are there to help you jump the small little 4 foot double and to help you accelerate on power getting onto the straightaway. Like, that's how ridiculous it is. Jesus. It's funny. I mean, we're up there on the driver's stand for our A-Mains, and Bruno and, and Marn are standing in the same spot, and we have Orlowski, Lee Marn, you know, Jonah Hansen, me and Dustin up there. We're laughing because we can't get around the track. <laughs> like, we're making jokes on the driver's stand at the warm-up. Like I can't wait like till Mayfield gets there. Oh, dude, you don't even understand what's gonna happen when he's there. <laughs> I can already see like Gord Gore like starting some fire because I wouldn't be surprised if Marn Bayer and 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 Bruno are going faster than Ty. We will see. So, so the layout can't really change much because you're saying there's concrete and stuff everywhere. Well, I, I just, I'm just saying, I think with the, for sure the host track is going to be making the layouts, but if that's just say, you know, it, it would have to be, it has to be a little bit special and, um, a, a little bit allowed because they have to put these, the, the special concrete down hmm. on the layouts because you can't just build a big triple out of a corner because you're not going to bet I even jump the first jump. You're going to fly off the track because you can't, you can't clear it with the, the amount of grip. Wow. Hmm. So like they have to build it accordingly to the, to, to what the dirt's going to allow them to, to do for traction wise. 
Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on from the warm up. Got to get a little more upbeat. Well, that's a good discussion, though. No, people are going to love it. Because, um, I mean, wouldn't that be ideal to have, like, if Mar doesn't do that, though, Jason, they don't they no. don't determine the layout of the track at all. <clears throat> no. But they, sh- they will say some things that they, that they want to have part of the track. Um, or there are some things in the rules that say that have to be part of the track or something. But, um, I mean, at the last couple worlds we've been to, people don't really pay attention to that anyway. But, uh, so... Yeah. So how do you prevent like the, you know there's there's concern out there that they're going to get practice time on it maybe even for weeks and then tear it, tear it down and rebuild it or whatever they do I don't know but how do you monitor any of that you can't right there's no not really I mean, I mean they, they can close I, they can close that place down and sit there and practice for like a month right you know the the part Dude. that's unfortunate the the part that I think is wild about this whole thing is x-ray has so much more to lose by having this race at their facility than they do to gain because best case scenario for them is you win and you dominate and then everybody will say oh well you know they'll say something about, you know, unfair practice or, you know, there, there'll be some kind of slam against them if they die. Well, it'll be like, if they win, then they're supposed to win. Like, but hello, well, of, of course, the, un, the unfair practice. Yeah. Well, that's what they're, that's what people will say. The racers will say, Hey, they had unfair practice. Their stuff was, uh, you know, out of control. They might've been cheating. And that's if they win. Now, if they lose, then it's also for them, it's extremely embarrassing. So to me, it's, it's like a, it's like a no win situation for them because they have to win. And then when they do win, people are going to doubt it anyway. Hmm. So I, I, I think it's kind of a mistake for them to even host the race there personally. Um, they should have tried to, you know, organize with a different host, I think would have made more sense. I mean, I, I, there's some things that are looking, I'm looking forward to visiting there cause I've never been there, but I know that if, you know, my guys are Spencer or Ryan, and if these guys are running and they're not on the pace, I'm going to be pissed that I was even, that I'm even over there. I'm going to be like, well, this is a waste of time. Um, <clears throat> but I guess you could say that at any race, but typically, you know, when you got top guys in the world, you know, you're not going to go to a world and be over a second a lap off the pace. So you just want a fighting chance. If you have a fighting chance, it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, if, um, you know, you're coming through and you're getting some, you know, maybe, you know, maybe a Martin Bayer or a Bruno's TQ and, but you're only a, you know, half second behind or you're right there or you're in it to win it. Sure. That's fine. But if you're just getting your doors blown off, that's like, Obviously, the hey. it's gonna it's gonna shake up people's personalities. You're not gonna you're not gonna blow out Mayfield and the Testmans and then be happy about it. I can tell you that there's gonna be some hell to pay. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> hey, Gotti. Yeah. Just so you know, I did take home a dirt sample. Oh, there you go. Nice, nice. I like it. 
He likes he likes that. Awesome. It's good stuff. See, Spencer's gonna be preparing. Already ran it through the analyzer. <laughs> yeah, the the dirt guy at the dirt store, he's like, Where the, the heck dirt did you find this crap? The dirt store. <laughs> Where'd you find this crap? <laughs> Is this in my inventory? So I got this crap dirt in my store? No, 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 no. I brought this from overseas. Oh, isn't that illegal? No, no, no. All right. So let's talk about the next race. Let's go to the manufacturer's cut. All right. Let's hear it, Spencer. You had to fly in direct from Slovakia. Oh, yeah. So I uh, we were flying back from Slovakia or Austria. Um, I flew into, De- flew into Denver. Well, we flew into Chicago or New York, or sorry, New Jersey, and that was a cluster. Our flight got delayed a couple times, and then we finally made it back to Denver on Wednesday, Wednesday night. And Thursday morning was a quick turnaround. I flew from Denver to Sacramento, where I met Alex Kay and the Associated guys. And we <clears throat> drove up to Chico, did the Chico practice at the at Amy Hobbies at Silver Dollar Raceway, and um, it was it was a really good event. I mean, I think they they matched their same amount of entries they had last year, uh, which was nice. A lot of uh, new faces and customers that I've never seen before at that event. And, okay, um, that's good. It was cool. I think. I think. Uh, I think there's some things that the promotion wise that the race can be done a little better, maybe a little better date or maybe a little bit more promotion of, of the event. Um, it's a little difficult because it was surrounded by a lot of different uh, other races and um, the track layout was awesome. Obviously Kevin Jellick and his, um, <clears throat> always do an amazing job with the builds and um, hosting a good a good race weekend um, and the racing was awesome I mean we had one heat of the pro guys so it was you know it was a little smaller than it was two years ago for the pro heat but it was cool at the same time because you would always race the same people you didn't have to worry about saying oh well, I only raced him once or you know yeah, the reedy race, the reedy race issues. Yeah, so that was nice to see that it was just, you know simple in that format. Um, it was it was a, it was it was definitely some um, some rough moments on my 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 racing on the first race day. I think I finished like half of my races. I had some issues in the pits. I had some issues on the track with stuff falling apart. And um, the second day of racing, I was able to keep myself in contention a little bit on the first day with at least my first race finishes that I was able to finish in contention for the overall win. Um, and the second day was awesome. I to get a better, better night's sleep and uh, had a good dinner the night before. And it was, 
pretty awesome race and me and Mayfield have some good battles in the Truggy class and then in the final buggy race. Um, or sorry, the final Truggy race, I actually was in going to be in the lead and uh, had some traffic kind of getting to me and I slipped upside down and then I went another lap and then my, uh, my throttle carburetor stuck wide open and I flew off the back green monster in the back and um, was out of the out of the race in Truggy. So I, I wasn't able to get three races that would count for my points because I only finished once. Mm-hmm. So, because uh, it was uh, three, uh, best three out of the four one throw out. Um, so you didn't, get, the, the you didn't get everything to count. Right. So the last two buggy races, I was actually able to uh, win the first race on Sunday and buggy. And then the second race, the fun race of the event, um, I started in the back and I was able to make up some time throughout that race to catch Mayfield. And on the second, or sorry, the last lap, I was the last three laps, I was on his tail the whole time, and he actually made a little bit of a mistake, 50 50 on the pipes in the, the center section, and he flipped upside down, and I was able to pass him on the last lap because he crashed. So it was it was definitely a, a big fight in that last race. I mean, just kind of constantly just telling myself just to, you know, keep on chugging along. I mean, I was a little faster than him lap time-wise in that race. So, I mean, you know, it was like, it wasn't like I was getting seconds on him, gaining seconds on him throughout the 15 minute run. It was like two tenths there, one tenth there, one tenth lost there. I made up eight tenths there. So, I mean, it was, it was definitely a, um, a mental game where you just had to keep on chugging along. Um, and obviously with my pit guys being down low, telling me my information of, on the mic of what was going on lap time wise of what what my pace was going to be at the end of the 15 minute run and and brent was actually on the mic and he was telling me if you keep up the same pace you would actually catch ryan with two laps remaining and sure enough it was exactly spot on so that was that was really cool to be a part of of just trusting the guys down below helping helping out in the pits and capturing the win to take the tiebreaker and winning the manufacturer's cup for myself. And it was cool to have the guys back um, like Alex and um, Brock and Nick to also help win the whole manufacturer's um, race as a, as a team. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, definitely a big shout out to um, Alex and Nick won it for uh, Nick winning the um, open class and then of course in the invite class you have to have the top two guys from the team combined points throughout the whole whole series yeah you guys uh, had great performance you know you kind of you know in, a, in that scenario um you have to have the the people competing in each class to to have a um to have a chance at it, right? Correct. If you're going to try to win the overall, then 
you know, you, you gotta, you gotta have it all. You gotta have the, the Knicks running in the open class and you gotta have you in the pro and you gotta have a, you know, sportsman dude and you gotta have all the horses, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched that. Uh, Thomas went out there and, and did the race for us, but I, I wasn't there. But I watched the the live videos going on, and yeah, you could just—I just, just kind of got the feeling watching that eight scale race. Sometimes you just have a a gut feeling, or I don't know what it is, and um, something just is telling you that it's the. You know, even when Mayfield was leading that last race, I was like, some something, something just tells me that he's not going to win this. You know, like. Just something, some every once in a while. I remember being there a few years ago, and that happened with Ty Mayfield was leading the last race, and and um, and, and Ty ended up uh, getting him in that last race. And there's just sometimes, yeah, to me, I have this feeling like when it's going on, like, eh, I don't think this is quite over yet. Like something's something's uh, something's going to surprise you here, and uh, yeah, you, you reeled them in. Uh, you know, you're faster. He, he told me that. And, uh, you know, he said he was, he did really well the first day. And he said it was like, you know, I don't, he's like, I didn't really get overconfident, but maybe I just, you know, kind of underestimated everybody the second day. And he's like, I didn't, he's like, I wasn't quite, you know, running as well as I needed to. And, you know, he, he kind of admitted that he, he just wasn't, um, he didn't quite have it that last two races. Yeah, it, it's difficult to really keep your um, momentum rolling when, let's say, you know, he, his first day was pretty easy for him. I mean, he did have some front row starts that helped, um, some traffic that went his way. Um, uh, and this can go for anybody. Uh, if things are, it seems like if things are going too well, it's like you don't really have to worry. But I don't know. It was, it was, it definitely wasn't like I wasn't fast the first day. It was just, I mean, I just got back from a European trip one previous day later, and you know, I wasn't really myself the first day. I was a little grumpy and you know, uh, having some issues on the track and I don't know, it was just kind of a weird day. Um, and the, the second day, obviously, I mean, we made some progress with the car, adjusted, got some better sleep and yeah, I mean, it, it was, like I said, it really couldn't have gone any better for me, but it either, either outcome win or win or lost, if I would have lost that race, like if I didn't win the tiebreaker or whatnot, um, I, I was proud of myself and my pit crew for fighting back hard and um, gaining some experience with pitting and with the car and just learning a little bit. And um, I was happy. I mean, it was definitely an icing on the cake to get the win. But, uh, it was nice working with my guys, uh, Alex, Brent, and Richard on uh, just kind of making uh, some progress with the cars. And yeah, it, it was fun. So your, you know, last couple races, you know, before we kind of move to that 
the next one. Uh, you've been hanging out with Alex. He's been uh, hanging out with you. You guys have been kind of wrenching, practicing, hanging out together. What's uh, What's been going on with that? And maybe, I don't know if Alex is around, but I don't know if he wants to chit-chat a little bit about that. Yeah, he's here. Yeah, we've been, um, uh, Alex, you want to chime in? Say hello to the crowd. What's going on? Now we're talking. Yeah, I've been uh, backseat listening, just mind my own business, doing some wrenching for a little bit. He's doing the talking. But now we're yeah. here, baby. So tell us, uh, I mean, you've been, it's probably been kind of nice. You've been kind of been able to be in RC mode for a couple weeks in a row. Uh, first of all, tell us how your school's going and then kind of get into this little break you got going with Spencer. Yeah, school's going really good. Halfway there. So summertime just started and I really miss it. I miss going to all the races, watching all these guys go to these races. And when you don't get to do something you have to do so much of, you miss it a lot. So mm-hmm. being out here in Arizona, hanging out with the Riskins, it's been pretty awesome. Going to AMS, going to the Manufacturers Cup, it's been good. Not driving the best ability, I think. Not yet, but I, I think we get better every time we're out there. So that's a good plus. And it's just fun, you know, hanging out with friends, kicking it. And then doing the racing thing is just another plus too. Yeah, I mean, it seems like you got you, you definitely don't lose the speed, you know, no matter um you know, when you were um, you know, when you're making the tour or you're not, it seems like you always have good speed. Uh but what's it like to kind of jump in and try to race with the guys um, you know, after you know, being in school and stuff and then you know, maybe not getting all the big race time, but you jump in there and your lap times are good. But but then you got to race, you know, 30, 45 minute mains with these guys. And how does it, how, how does that affect things? It's definitely the consistency of the driving is pretty, it's hard to keep up. Cause like anyone could do a fast lap. If you have good skill and your car is pretty good, you could just muscle around for a lap. Okay. So like, to do it for, you know, 45 minutes straight, 100 laps of all driving all, giving it all. It's pretty, mm-hmm. it's pretty tough without doing mistakes. So you got to give these guys credit. They do it and it looks so easy for them. And then when I try to do it, I'm good for a couple minutes and you make a bobble, go down the path, muscle your way up, back up to somewhat where you were and then have another mistake. So that's what I've been kind of focusing at. And then the AMS. I kind of did pretty good. I know I had some problems in the main. I think I could have finished on the podium. My stuff was really good. And my pit guys were doing an awesome job in the pit. But uh, just, you know, sometimes it's not meant to be. And that's how it was that weekend. But we learned a lot. And we're going to fix the problems we had. And then hopefully nationals next week. It's going to be good to go. And hopefully drive the full hour, full punch. And give it our all. So, um, kind of interesting. I mean, in, in a sense, you're a little more, I don't know. I, I feel like you're a little more of a 10 scale racer or 10 scale background, but you get into the summer and now all of a sudden you're racing all this eight scale. It's almost like this is your opportunity to race being in the summer, but you're, you're having to also do eight scale, which I mean, it's not that you're not any good at it. I mean, you're all, all the races you ran, I think, um, you've done well, and would you get fourth or fifth at the Nats last year? Yeah, um, fifth place I think it was. Yeah, and uh, that's an amazing, great run. But um, but yeah, you jump into the summer, all of a sudden you're going nitro and eight scale full speed. 
Um, is that kind of what you were wanting to do, or is that just the timing kind of worked out? That's just mostly how the timing works out. Because, like, back home, 10 scale, like, indoor kind of dies down when it hits May. So, like, the ACL tracks start to get ready and all that stuff. So, like, you definitely see a shift in the focus of what RC is going into. But uh, it's just timing, really. Because, like, when I'm done with school, like, the last couple weeks into May, and then you get all these ACL races, like the Manufacturers Cups and AMS and Nationals, which are, for me, those are the biggest ACL races I'll do. So, basically, I'll run, like, a straight month of just ACL, but then probably after Nationals, I'll be just focused on 10 scale because it's a 10 scale world this year. So that so that means you are doing the worlds. Oh yeah, we're making it happen this time. Okay, yeah. You, I mean, as far as uh, good as you've been in 10 scale uh, over the years, uh, and you've never you've never actually run the worlds yet, right? You've only run eight scale worlds. Yeah, I only run eight scale worlds so far, but I'm really looking forward to. I know it's kind of gonna be. A little bit on the questionable side with some things, but I don't care. I'm excited for it. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of how I am. Boy, walking into the candy shop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, worlds. So, what are you guys wrenching on right now? We're going on a struggle. Hopefully, get it done today. Yeah, we're, we're thinking about. Um, <clears throat> Well, we got uh, Hobby Actions doing a, a uh, associated uh, like a race practice specifically for like the racers after hours. Okay. And there's like a group of 40, 40 45 people. That some of them are on the uh, associated team. So the other half is like customers or hardcore racers that that um that are locals at Hobby Action. Okay. And we might might go around 9 p.m. and go help out the team and check it out, see what's going on with the guys, and uh, make a make a presence, help the guys with the new four-wheel drive, answer some questions, whatever it may be. So are you guys actually going to run at that, or is it mostly just are you guys helping? Well, I mean, I my stuff's not ready, and obviously, or I don't really have cars ready for <clears> running a hobby action. Obviously, Alex doesn't have our ten his ten so cars with me. We would just go just to mainly just help out people. Okay. So that might be our agenda for later, but currently we're finishing up our APL truggies for the nationals. So, okay, so let's move on. Let's talk about uh, both of you guys here. Uh, you both did um, Manufacturer's Cup. Alex was uh, doing well out there. Uh, kind of a long trip for him, but then let's move into AMS. You guys uh, kind of went there as a group, a team, and uh, how'd it go? I, I saw Spencer Tiki the first round which, you know, there's only three rounds of qualifying. They're always tough, and you got to take you out of it. But let's talk about the whole race in general. Yeah, the um, event always always out there has been ran smoothly. Um, uh, those guys that put on the track, the whole crew, Bobby doing the build, and um, 
and uh, Dave Lycom always, you know, hosting those races, putting his time and effort in and making sure everything's ran smoothly. Um, definitely a big shout out to him and all his crew that put in the blood, sweat and tears to host a good event for us guys to run at. Um, the race itself actually went pretty smooth, smoothly. Um, obviously I was able to have some good success in qualifying in uh, nitro buggy and truggy was able to TQ the first round of nitro buggy and, um, get some top, uh, podium runs, top three runs and truggy throughout all of qualifying. And, um, in the main event, I was actually had some issues with some flame outs in nitro buggy, uh, which put me way behind for a top five, um, initially and then it was funny i was actually running in the fifth spot after a couple of flame outs and uh fourth place had a flame out i was able to pass him on the clock and then tebow was running in third and he actually had a flame out towards the end of the race and i was actually able to get back up to third so i'm thinking well i'm gonna savage a third place with three flame outs and then of course two laps later i flame out and I go back to like the eighth eighth position. So it definitely wasn't a good weekend in the natural buggy class, but it was pretty solid and truggy. I was running essentially in third the whole time, and I was that's where I was able to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a good good experience. I, I thought my natural buggy was. I thought I had the best car in Maine. My lap tons down the board were better than everyone else's. My consistency before that flame out was really good. I thought I was going to have a shot for the win, but the flame out got in the way and it was all downhill from there. But I, we definitely learned a lot with um, some engine stuff and some car setup stuff that we're going to use for the nationals and and have a pretty, hopefully a pretty solid nationals. Looking forward to just driving solid throughout all the qualifying all through the mains and see where it puts me up in. Sounds like a good game plan. Yeah. I mean, really I'm looking forward to going back to Thornhill. I definitely, we've had some pretty good success there. I was obviously able to win my first national title in that, the natural buggy class out there. So I'm looking forward to putting in the work and uh, seeing where it where it all straps up at the end. What do you guys think about running at these races? I think both of you at Manufacturers Cup ran all three, and then uh, I can't remember if you guys both ran all three at AMS, but I believe you did. Um, and you know, Alex doesn't quite have as much pit help. Spencer has a little bit of pit help. Plus, he got your dad. Um, what what's it like doing three classes at those two events and keeping up with both cars and just kind of staying, trying to be in it to win it in three classes? You want you can answer that. Alex. It's a twenty four hour marathon. Just <laughs> run one race and then you're back to the pit after you marshal and then you're wrenching. You kind of panic a little bit. You see what race you're on. You're like, oh, I got all this work to do. You got to get ready for your race. Mm-hmm. It's like a cycle. You run, you marshal, 
you go back to your pit, your wrench, glue some tires, and you do the same thing over and over again. But I ran all three for minutes, and it's definitely a challenge running all three. I think my e-buggy, like, you usually choose your two favorite classes, and then you put your most effort into those two. And then your, the third one, you could just, you know, get by and it's not too bad, then you're okay with it. And that's mm-hmm. how e-buggy was for me. Like, I didn't put too much effort into it. It was mostly just into nitro classes, especially with nationals coming up. But, you know, in the end, it still kind of worked out. I think I finished the e-buggy, which isn't the greatest thing. But considering, you know, I didn't put that much effort in, I'm okay with it. But, I don't know, it's just, it's hard running eight scale because there's a lot of wrenching to do after even just a five-minute qualifier to make sure everything's good. So you definitely have to put a lot of hours wrenching just to race. But, you know, it's overall, it's worth it at the end. So, and I'm pretty sure a little buddy would probably say the same thing, too. <clears throat> yeah, it's definitely not not easy. I mean, obviously, um, having pit help is always a plus, but it's always nice to go through your own stuff to make sure everything's good, too, because you don't want something happening that you didn't do and it's just you just don't want to blame it on anybody but yourself creates awkward situations so (laughs) um even though people have pit help i mean i always double check my own work or whoever's work helping me with my car and um it's not easy that's for sure i mean that's why it's uh it's difficult to make it happen at these big races because there's a constant grind and a marathon. So definitely thankful for the people who do help me and who have given the time and effort. Definitely a big part of my career of um, listening to people, taking advice, and um, not turning down any kind of help. Okay. Makes sense. So, uh, you know, kind of moving. Now we're starting to move forward here a little bit. We do have some questions uh, for you guys. And uh, I'll ask some, I'll ask some some of my own questions for Alex, but we got some for Spencer direct. So we'll just kind of flip back and forth. Uh, let me pull them up here. I have the first one right off the bat here. Biggest surprise and challenge of the wor- world's warm-up race. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to go back to I that. I just say we have already covered. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll be right back. Um. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to get. It. I was just kidding around. All right, this is a question for both of you. I guess you both can answer this one. Most memorable race. Hmm. Alex, go ahead. Remember, mine. I gotta go because I'm. I had to think about mine. I got. Yeah, you got so many. <laughs> Mine's kind of not that many. Uh, well, right. there's the one that kind of highlights my career is winning the open four wheel drive class at the Reedy race. I think in 2016. Yes, that's like I don't know. Just after I won that race, like right after everyone like that was on the driver's stand, ran up to me, gave me a hug. Like my team manager Brent was in the race, and he knocked off my glasses, and I couldn't see. But he was hugging me and stuff. Like I just remember that, and it was awkward. You know, 
16 year old giving me interviews. Yeah, you know, everything worked out good. Thanks yeah. to my sponsors, parents, and all the people that helped me. But uh, that was a good memory. And I, I don't know. I always create non racing memories when I go to these races, just hanging out with the guys or meeting new friends. Like right. those you kind of keep, you know, forever. The racing ones. Some of these races are kind of, they kind of feel the same, you know, it's the same, you travel the same day in, same type of qualifying, same type of names, but I don't know, I would say the Rio race is probably my best racing memory so far. And what about you, Spencer? Um, um, I would probably have to, I mean, I can't not say my most memorable, what was the question again? Most memorable race. Most memorable race, so it doesn't have to be a race that I won. No. <laughs> no. Not necessarily. No, just like Alex said, hanging out with friends and stuff, you know. Um, I would have to say one time in band the camp. the the one time in band camp when I won. Uh, when I was actually um, the 2018. Nationals at Hobby Action when I won the two-wheel drive buggy class when I was racing against, I mean, it was essentially coming down to me or Cavalry and just like the amount of like uh, pressure that was just on in the, through that event. It, it was really, really special to me because when I came off, when I came off that driver's stand, the, you know, the first guy that I like I think uh, it was it was either Jason or Brent, but then like I saw Kenwald in the corner that was watching the race, and he's like, "Dude, that was the like best race I've ever watched." Wow! Like, cause he like he he told me he's like before like that race because he knew Cav was running second. He's like he's like kick his butt for me, <laughs> and uh, when I ended up winning the race, he like gave me knuckles and he said he's like. He's like, you know, that was the best race I've ever seen, and he and then he said thank you, like that was his second, his second, the second word he told me. Oh, that's awesome! So that was one of the most cherished races that I'll ever remember. And then, of course, like you know, hugging my dad, you know, seeing Jason there, all happy. I mean, it was it was a long, a long, long event. I mean, there was so much drama at that race with the watering schedule mm. and uh way they have things going from roar. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of other ones that I have win or lost. That was always good, but having Brian there and doing it in front of Brian and, you know, the things that he was telling me and, you know, told me and stuff was, it was pretty special to do. Uh, that would lead right into our next question. Then how's the Kinwald build going? Uh, I, I have officially not started on it. I am still working on getting the fine-tuned pieces. I've had many people that have helped me get some of the very difficult parts, like the D2 motor, some Trinity motor plate, transmission block. Um, but there's been there's been a great crowd actually. The vintage guys on the page, um, old school RC. It's been um, very helpful with the people 
um, giving me the information. The guy Cedric from the UK helped me uh, with um, the build because he actually has the full replica car. So it's going to be a long project. It's definitely not going to be quick by any stretch, but I got some pieces, got a car, um, and uh, we're going to make it make it look cool I'm, I'm excited for it yeah that's awesome man yeah i saw ernie sent you the motor he posted that on facebook yeah i mean i have i actually have a couple i have the one with his face on it with kenwell's face and then i have one that the, the dt motor that he actually ran wasn't the one with his face on it it was the one that just said d2 dernator right so um yeah, one of the biggest stories that I remember this is this was like five years ago. Brian told me because I didn't know Brian didn't have any of his his world's cars or memorabilia from his world's wins or wins. When he told me that that car, his first world, it was in the uh, in the garage of uh, I think either it was in Marcovitas or it was Gil Losi's garage, and it caught on fire. Oh, Losi's, yep. And everything. Yeah, so. He always told me that he never had it and he always wanted to build, find the pieces and build it. But he never got around to it. And it was just a thought that, um, that came up of kind of honoring the build for him. Uh, so it's going to be a long shot trying to make it as close as possible, but it's going to be, it's going to be worth, worth every penny in time. Now you mentioned after that race, Kenwald, you know, gave you knuckles and said, Hey, great race. That was the best race you ever. Is there any other cool moments that, uh, a cool story or whatever do you have of Brian Kenwald that you can share? I countless memories, countless. I mean, I remember when I won the nationals at Thornhill, um, he, messaged me right away and he he sent his emojis and they you know do good job i can't be- can't believe it you must be so happy and call me call me at dinner and so i would call him after dinner and we would talk for like you know 20 or 30 minutes and he's like all right well you better be at, at hobby action on wednesday see you there and then the one of the most coolest ones was when i when i did win in japan at the Worlds, he, uh, I called him after dinner. It was like, I didn't know what time it was, but I think it was like 3.30 in the morning in Arizona. And he was up, you know, he was working on uh, analyzing some screws. And, dude, he was like so happy for me. Like, he's like, dude, that's so awesome. Like, when I won my first world, we did this. What did you guys do? He's telling me all the stories when he won. He's like, oh, wow. So that was that was really cool to see. And then when I got back from Japan, um, we had a big gathering at uh, SRS in Scottsdale. Or sorry, SRS, the indoor SRS. And they had a big kind of gathering for me with a birthday cake. And uh, actually, the, Tommy Hines and his family did the cake and stuff for me. So that was pretty cool. But Ken Mall was there and we did a picture together. And I think I posted it when, when he... When, uh, he actually passed away and that was one of the few pictures that I have with Brian. So it was cool to, for him to be a part of that stuff. But uh, I mean, there's all the races that I've 
had success at or any race that I've been to before he before him being gone, he's always messaged me at every race that I've been to a text or a call. So Yeah, he's I remember always when been I was, he's always been really good about um staying in touch with you with your racing. It seemed like it was important. <clears throat> Definitely important to him. Yeah, I mean, there was a time and point when I, um, I mean, I would always call him for setup help when I was a little younger. Probably when I was just starting to travel a little bit more for, for like, for racing, and I would call him on the regular. But I think when Mesa wasn't on associated more, like, I was kind of learning my own, figuring out, you know, you know what did me and what was right for me. But I would always like call Brian and ask him, you know, some setup advice for whatever track I was at. So it became more of a regular basis. And, and then there was a point in time where I didn't call him as much because I, I was kind of wanting to figure things out more on my own. But uh, Brian would still always text me and, and call me of, you know, how's it going? How's the tires? You know, what tires are you guys running? Or did you try my stuff that I made you? You know, stuff like that. So another, another, I would say this is probably top three memory of him. When we were at the nationals at Mimi's track in 2017, mm-hmm. um, I was actually, we were using the associated guys were using the Kenwald, uh, red sauce. Um, it, and, uh, we at Kenwald made me like six bottles, but I, I handed some out to our, our teammates, like Ryan, Dustin and Brent and Alex or Tommy and um we actually ran out and no one knew his recipe and he i've asked him many times for his sauce recipes at local tracks and he told me he always told me he's like one day you'll you'll one day i'll tell you one day i'll tell you like this is you know years prior to that that particular race event and we ended up running out and i called him i ran outside i called him I'm like, dude, I really ran out of sauce. He's like, what? I gave you six bottles. He's like, yeah, I know, but I gave it to my buddies. <laughs> He's like, so he ended up giving me his sauce recipe. Oh. And I, like, at that race, I, I felt like I was so, like, special because I'm like, yeah. I'm like, Brent, we got to go to Walmart. He's like, why? I'm like, <laughs> don't worry about why. I'm, we're going to Walmart. <laughs> so we go to Walmart. I'm like, Brent, stay in the car. I'll be back. So I get the recipe and stuff. And then I get out of the car and I, I pull all the stickers off the, off the bottles and stuff. So no one knew what it was. And then gave me the formula for the individual stuff that we're adding in the can. And we made a bunch of sauce. And it was like the best thing ever. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he, he always, for me, he seemed like he was always part of my racing. He always kept in tune of what where I was at or what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was special for sure. I mean, I was. It definitely when he did pass, I was. I felt a little. Um, I was. Everyone was obviously very upset, but I I thought for sure he would have mentioned something beforehand, but um, I guess. 
maybe more like that he was sick in the hospital because I would have been there instantly to, to see him, you know? Yeah, that's <clears> tough. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was kind of, I regret a little bit of something. Is that it was like a month before that happened. Um, when he, after he got the surgery done on his back, after he had an accident at Hobby Action in the parking lot or whatever, he told me to come over and he said he wanted to see me. He's just like, hey, man, I want to see you come over. And I wasn't able to make it over to his house. And I really wish I would have. I mean, that would have probably been the last time I would have seen him. Hmm. But uh, there's so many memories I have of him and pictures. And I have a lot of bodies he, he's given me and signatures. So it'll, it'll always be in the back of my mind. Yeah. Uh, Alex K, any um, memories of Kim Wald, a favorite uh, cool story, anything? Well, I know a couple of years ago there used to be the Vintage Nationals. I think you were there one of the years too. But uh, Brian Kinwell built me a special RC10. Oh, And yes. I raced it that weekend because he, he couldn't make it that year. He, he would, I think he went the year before, but he couldn't make it that year. And Jason was there with me. And just having him make me a car was pretty epic like some of the stuff he did like i would never thought of doing or just how cool it was you know he would machine like the shock parts make it look all special and you can tell it was a brian kinwell car by just looking at it yeah and like being able to race it and then i signed it and then it got shit back to him i don't know what happened to it but just the whole plan of him building me a car to race and then eventually winning that race it was pretty like that always stay with me and another one was like after one of the i think it was the first desert classic they had a hobby action i had to stay a couple of days after because my flight got canceled due to some bad weather up in the northeast and he was at the track the day i went to go practice and you know we sat down and talked and you know it was just nice just hearing what he had to say like he said i had some good potential and that he drove my car and he said that it was a pretty good setup and he gave me some pointers on how to make it better. And, you know, moments like that, I always remember them. I really appreciate what he has done. Yeah. Not just to me, but for like everybody. Mm. All right. So what's our, what else we got for questions? Um, Spencer Rivkin, a question for you, sir. Uh, why are you choosing to run the XR8 SCT? Speed control rather than the XR8 in your e buggy. <laughs> Is it because of weight savings or settings? Uh, it, it would be because of the weight. There you go. And Jason, right after that question, right? Okay. He says, "Thanks, sir." Oh, yeah. That's an that's an inside joke between me and Jason. All right, this is a question for both of you here. What's your favorite class to race? Uh, Two-wheel drive, modified buggy. Two-wheel drive, modified buggy. I like that answer, too. Us us old-school guys like hearing two-wheel drive buggy modified. It's true. That's right. Uh, When are the underdrive gears coming back in stock? Two weeks, baby. (laughs) <laughs> two weeks that's the standard answer right? um, our, 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 I think they said sometime in July 
So that's about right. two weeks well, that's away. Some, that's some answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. They, they, we started running them a month or two ago and they sold out pretty quickly. Um, like I did a live video really highlighting how important the gears were that we were running and uh, a lot of people bought them. Mm-hmm. Um, are either one of you guys getting the new element Enduro? All right. I back ordered the one already. Okay. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually going to get one. Uh, I'm actually going to do a video on it. Okay. Good. So I'm excited to get familiarized with that industry and um, be a little bit more involved with a little bit more well-rounded and that stuff. So um, we got Chris Trudeau. Any class you haven't raced or tried that you want to, which this could lead into the, you know, where you just left off, but that's his first question. Well, I would definitely like to race and try the monster truck stuff, but I might get frustrated because it looks pretty difficult. <laughs> I don't want to come in there and put a whip can on the old J-Ro. I know. <laughs> You really don't want to see when Jero puts the whoop can on you. Yeah, that's, that's what you're that's scared what I'm about. Scared about. <laughs> it, it's definitely it's definitely different because it's not as cut and dry as the other racing that we do because like watching the video, it just like the trucks have no suspension. It's so it looks so rigid to drive. Like, man, that's if those people, if those people like knew what we drove, which I'm sure they do, I feel like they would just have a so much better time doing what we do. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, I've obviously raced them all, and um, the the thing that's difficult about it is if if I was to race you, or the thing that's different and difficult is if I was to race you on an off road race that's five minutes and you crashed on the first lap and you could spend the rest of the race, you know, trying to catch me and I could have another mistake or something. Um, but in this, if you make a mistake, you are going to lose. It doesn't matter who you are. Um, so, and then you're out, you can't come back like for the most part. So it's like to, it's it's so unique from that standpoint that it's just everything's on the line for the seven seconds. And sure, there's people that have advantages over others, but if that one little mistake is in there, you can also lose to anybody. Right. That's what's really kind of different about it. It was like I was saying before, it's like having a truggy race, but only last three turns. You know, it's like... Um, that's what's kind of difficult or different about it. Plus the trucks don't, it's not like you're driving a perfectly dialed suspension of a off-road buggy, you know, they, they bounce and they're, you know, they get out of shape. And um, so you're like kind of at that disposal a little bit. It's, it just makes it definitely very 
It just seems more frustrating. Like, I don't know. It seems like if you were a new beginner, I don't know, maybe the perspective is more waging on what I, what we do because we're, we're so used to it. But just seeing the truck not absorb any of like the, the little small jumps and like the imperfection of the landing that, that the truck's, the energy that it takes when it lands and it just bounces one a little wrong and then you're like hitting a, a little wall and then you flip over. Like, yeah. I feel like people will get so much more frustrated because it's just, it's not, it doesn't look easy at all. Yeah. That's what it, it is like that. Um, it's hard to explain. I think um, it's just kind of its own thing. And I think you guys, everybody would have fun trying it. Um, and seeing what you could do there's no question that your your good laps would be amazing like you know because every you know you guys have the skill you have the talent it would be your your good laps would be amazing but the question is it comes down to um you know could you keep could you keep it in repetition you know what would the, yeah. the would the little would the little bobbles uh, that the truck has and the other things that happen with it, um, you know, would that, uh, would that upset the, the race? You know, would, would it change the, change the order? Um, and I think, I think there would be times, I mean, just from my own experience, there's times when it does and there's times when it doesn't. Um, right. And I've already noticed that there's certain tracks that you drive that in this, they're confusing. That's the one thing. And you can stand anywhere. That's the other thing that's weird about it. Yeah. You don't have to stand like on a driver's stand. Like you can just, you can stand anywhere you want. So now you're also, that's not really an adjustment you can make in off-road racing. You know, you stand on the driver's stand. It's, do I stand in the middle or do I stand left or right? That's really it. On this, it's like, do I want to see it coming at me? Do I want to go see it going away from me? Do I want to see it from the side? Uh that's all kind of part of it too. It's it's really weird from that standpoint. Um, yeah, that is that is. I didn't really think about that. Yeah, it's like the race I was just the event I was just at. Um, you know, I I, I was like, well, I, I just started driving from the side, like more like an off road style, and that's kind of what I stuck with. But I don't think that was definitely the best. But that's just kind of what I. Stuck, but there's some people that'll stand in the middle and they'll turn while they're driving with the vehicle. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say you should be one of those guys that like, like you go out of the at the start line and you run with the truck and then you run back with the truck. <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen people like as they're going towards the finish line, they kind of go after the vehicle a little bit. Like, I got this, I got this. Like they're going that direction. Um, I, yeah, I definitely don't do that because just from the off-road background, you feel like once you're in one position, like this is where I'm at, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, so that is, um, you know, there's the lane choice, you know, who has which lane. Some lanes are a little better than others. You know, sometimes you have to watch you know, it's like watching the track conditions and off-road, you know, where to drive and this and that. And that is like some lanes are better than others. So it's, I think you guys would enjoy the, the, the change up a little bit and just 
kind of because it almost like you almost kind of start from scratch in a way it's you can drive the vehicle but all the other little nuances that you kind of take that you don't really think about anymore in off-road you would you'd be like man i never really thought about this before like now this is a decision i gotta make um so yeah anyway um the saying do pro guys ever just go out and bash their cars or is it life of racing practice and testing and if and when you are bashing do people try to race you yes <laughs> yes we don't do it often but um there's been some of the funnest coolest memories i have wow going to like hobby action you know we, 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 i would plan it out with if i plan it with mayfield and you know, maybe if it, it didn't have to be a hobby action. It could be anywhere. If the track wasn't right or whatever. We're like, all right, let's do a hot lap challenge. Mm-hmm. Right. And then we go down the shirt away and you, if you make your first mistake and it's like, all right, just kidding. You know, we would try something else. And then, we, then we would see like, Oh, if there's short course trucks on the track and we'd be like, all right, first person to just completely take out the short course truck plan. <laughs> and we're like literally trying to take take out these people, and the funny part is these people don't even know who we are. They just think we're just people that do it for, do it like they're doing it, but with better cars. Mm-hmm. So we're going down the straightaway, aiming for these short course trucks with our four ride buggies. <laughs> Mayfield one time he hit this guy so hard the guy was like, "Look at look at my like, who was that." And was like, yeah, that was me. Sorry, I couldn't see. <laughs> so, yeah, that would be counting on doing some bashing. and uh, Tell us, uh, the one I think about is when you were sending me photos from Myrtle Beach and you and Jackson, you were driving your car from the top of the hotel. Oh, man. <laughs> that was legendary. So, yeah, my Myrtle Beach... Well, I was there for two weeks. I was there for the fall brawl nitro race along with the week after was the, the finals at beach RC. And during our stay after the, the fall brawl got canceled with the rain the following day on like Monday, cause we were staying at the hotel throughout the whole week. We, I charged up my e-buggy cause uh, Jackson and I were like, "Oh, we should drive our, our e buggy from from the actual car and just drive it in front of the car." <laughs> so we did that, right? So we're we're driving in the in the small little town of Myrtle Beach, fully charged ba- battery with my e buggy. I'm in the passenger seat. Paul wins driving. <laughs> Jackson Brunson in the back videotaping. And we're just driving up and down the street, turning left and right, driving on the sidewalk. People are like, what the heck is that? Like, we could give you our windows down. And I have my radio, like, down underneath, underneath, like, the window so you can't see. So we're, we're like, yelling at the window, like, man, what is that? Who, who's driving that, too? So it's like, 
you have no idea what's going on. <laughs> and then we would charge it up again, and Jackson says, dude, let's drive it from the balcony. And Jackson's staying on the 18th floor. Oh, man. And I was like, all right, I'll stay, I'll drive this thing. Jackson, go downstairs to, to ground level. And I'm driving this thing from 18 stories high. And I'm circling around, like, the block. Like, I'm going around this huge building that I was able to see from being so high up. It was insane. It was going to be some of the coolest things. Didn't she say that the car felt really slow, too, from that height? Yeah, it was very slow. <clears throat> but I'm really, sure. I mean, driving from from the car when we were following it. I mean, we had, we were going 45, 50 miles an hour one time when we were following the car. But then when you're 18 stories up, you're like, "Gosh, this thing is slow." Yeah. Well, it just. Yeah, I mean, you can tell like when we were driving on the street, it was under geared because we were running at constant speed. Yeah. Uh, but it was really big when uh, we were driving it. I was driving it from that high up. One of the security guards came out and was asking Jackson because Jackson was videotaping in. He's like, "Who's driving that?" And Jackson was like, "Oh, I have no idea. I just, I just came out here. I'm taking video of it." And like Jackson tapped me. He's like, "Dude, pull it in. This guy's gonna call the cops." So I pulled it into Jackson. Jackson ran up to the room. That's awesome. Um, we kind of covered this a little bit, but, uh, Chili Duncan was asking of all these other segments, you know, we just talked about the monster trucks. There's dirt oval drag racing scale trucks. Uh, this is, I guess is for both of you guys. Uh, um, he's asking first why you think there's some increased popularity in all these other segments. And then. Uh, if you could compete in one of them, what's the first one you'd want to try to compete in? You can answer that. I'll go after you. Well, to answer the first part, why it's growing, like the other parts of RC, I think it's just because it might be a little bit easier to get into. Because, like, racing, you got to get the car, and if you get a radio run, that's cool. But, like, it's kind of like you go out there on the track, and you have to learn how to drive in a tight space and learn how to jump. Or like rock crawling, you can go anywhere, right? You don't have to go to a track necessarily. You can go in your backyard. You can go to the track that's a special rock crawling course. And you just hammer away. You know, if you flip over, it's no big deal. Like, you know what I mean? I'm not saying it takes less talent or anything, but it's just a different vibe, I would guess. And that might just, it might look more like, I don't know, just might look more enjoyable to somebody new getting into RC than he's like for racing you see all these people they put in a lot of effort they go to the track you know their cars are always clean so i don't know i think that could deal, do with something and then racing i think is a little more expensive maybe i'm not sure i haven't really looked into the price differences but yeah I'd say you know, it's fair. not a bad thing it's not a bad thing that other parts of rc is growing and just as long as people are still into rc in general that's a good thing you know and then you could always go to a different type of it you could go from rock on the racing or you can 
you know, if you want to take a break from racing, you could always go to like either monster trucking or rock crawling. You never know. And I guess if I had to choose a different category, I think rock crawling would be kind of cool to get into. I know my home track, RC Madness, they have like a pretty baller's course in the back of the turf track. And like last time I was there, I ran like an A-scale trophy race. And then I just see like hundreds of people. I think there was like 200 people there doing a rock crawling course. And that's just pretty cool to see. Like it's definitely a different group of people. Like, you know, when you look at the racers, they kind of have race t-shirts and, you know, they have gloves for when they put like a wrench on their tires and all that stuff. While rock crawlers, they, you know, just a different variety of people. Different kind of nerds. Yeah, I guess. Cause you want to <laughs> call them nerds. But, uh, yeah. I don't know. I think Rock Run would be what I would choose. And a little buddy, what would you choose? What's the question, Jason? Uh, the question was, why do you think that some of these other segments are building in popularity? And if you were going to try any of them, which one would you want to try? Uh, I think, I think some of the things that are, Building in other industries, a little bit of a little bit. It's getting easier for people in the crawler industry. I'm just being specifically for the crawler industry. It seems that the vehicles are getting so so much easier for someone to buy, and it looks so like the detail and the cosmetic looks of the cars. People are very in tune with, and it seemed like that the older school guys are enjoying that more because of their past history or life experiences with having their own real Jeep or pre-runner or forerunner, whatever it may be. It, it seems like the millennial, millennial kind of people, you know, they're doing it with their, their parents. You know what I mean? It seems like, because I, I when, what's the year that you would be considered a millennial? Didn't we talk about this before, Gotti? I think we had to look it up. Yeah, and I was like really shocked. Uh, but yeah. I just think that 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 the the detailed of the these those scalar stuff that people are so into that stuff and and there's a little bit more like hobby involved, like painting. You know, you can paint some stuff on the car, get some different hop ups for the body, make it look more real life. And that seems to be something that people are very into. Um, but I mean, I mean, talking with you, Jason, of just seeing what the industry has been doing in general, it seems like RC as a whole, whether that's being monster truck or RC crawler, whatever it may be, it seems like it's doing okay. Mm-hmm. And I think I think right now that the um, that the crawler and monster truck stuff has been pretty popular because of just how much easier and not maybe so much intimidation for the consumer to get in and get involved. Yeah. I think that's totally fair. I think you guys are both on, on the money. Uh, but I mean, I would definitely be totally, totally down to try the, the scalar stuff. I mean, I, I want to build one and make it look, to how I would, you know, want a real, my real truck to be, or, or some sort of something like that. And I'm, Did, super, uh, I'm super excited for um, what Team Associate has done. I mean, having element got having element being introduced to the industry, 
and our guys in the shop uh, with Brad Gack and the guys that are been really high uh, high in tune with that stuff with Aaron Aaron Lane and uh, it just it's been it's really awesome to see the company that we run for Alex and I have kind of want to be more well rounded in the industry and it just it's just it's pretty cool to be a part of of something and and um, you know maybe we can learn something down the road of um, doing some other kind of cool activities and yeah it's cool to see I, I'm I'm happy I'm looking forward to um, playing around with that stuff and I'm looking forward to um, seeing what the future has for elements and associated because uh, I, I know they have some pretty cool things in the in the works and um, this is definitely. They definitely have some cool things down the road. Okay, let me find. Um, <clears throat> well, we're kind of getting into the other question I had uh, for you guys uh, on my page. Did I will ask Alex uh, out of out of everything you've seen and raced out there? What what race do you think is do you really really want to win? What you know, and it's easy to say, "Oh, the world's da 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 da." But can you get more specific about um, about the race and which scale and all that kind of stuff? What do you think is just the one that that really is the one everybody wants to win? I would say re-race for uh, ten scale off road. You get okay. your, if you win, you get your name on that invitational trophy. So like, even if, say you're not in the RC anymore, and like you go back to OCRC or whoever keeps the trophy, whatever happens to the race in the future, you see your name up there. I think that would be pretty baller to have. But I don't know, like you know, everyone says the world because world championships probably the highest thing you can achieve, right? But I think if I think if you do three things, if you could win a national title, a world championship, and win the Reedy race. I feel like that'd be something pretty cool and that'd be like you accomplish something very big in the RC community. Because I know like uh, Fernando Alonso, he's trying to do the three-win thing with IndyCar, Formula One, and then uh, Le Mans. Mm-hmm. I think that's like for RC, it's kind of the same thing with Reedy Race, World Championship, National Championship. So I think like, and anyone could do it. Like, you know, each country has their own type of National Championship and then you have the World Championship and then if you get entered into the re race, you can participate in that too. So I think, like, if I had to choose, I would try to win those three. I know that's like big task, but like, why not, right? Yeah. Big. I don't know. Spencer's won a world championship already. Like, what do you think? What do you think for him? I would like, as a personal um, achievement, would be to win every national title in every class. Not like not win all of them in the same year. Like I'm just saying over a period of time, like mm-hmm. you know, you win your eight scale one, win a two order buggy, win a four order buggy, win an eight scale truggy, eight scale buggy, like all the classes that you would race at the nationals I think would be a pretty big accomplishment. Um, along with um, uh, that, that that's one of my big ones that I always 
always um, have always thought of. Has anyone ever done that? You think? But um, and then of course you know winning the same uh, winning the biggest one. I, I think now that I think about it now is winning a gas world championship and a ten scale one. Whether it be in the same year or sorry the same. Um, doesn't have to be in order, like back to back years, but like just in general. Yeah. I actually think that, um, yeah, to to say like what Alex was kind of saying is, I don't think anybody has done that. Um, uh, I think the closest, the closest people I think that are to winning all the off-road ones is probably, I would say, Mayfield and Tessman. Um, as far as I know, Mayfield has won everything but a two-wheel buggy for national title in in, in off-road for nationals. So, so he's won four-wheel, stadium truck, short course, four-by-four short course, eight-scale e-buggy, an eight scale e truggy. Um, so he's won seven, seven different off road, uh, Roar national titles, but he doesn't, he hasn't won two wheel mod buggy. Come on. <laughs> and that's the one Spencer has won. So Spencer's won that one. Um, but that's the only one you've won, right? Uh, no, the, uh, I mean, on the 10 scale side. Yeah. In the modified class. Yeah. Yeah. Well, modif- actually, I actually, you know, what's funny is my, my three modified, well, I, I've actually won an E truggy national champ, national title championship. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I was just thinking of in general, I was just thinking in general of, uh, 10 scale off road. <clears throat> yeah, and skill. That's the only one I have. And Cavalieri, he's he's up there, but the real bizarre one he has is the touring car. He's won the Roar Touring Car Nationals, which that's a real kind of bizarre. He's won a lot in off. I mean, he's won all of them in ten scale. He's won the touring car one. He's won the eight scale nitro buggy, and I th- I don't. I can't remember if he's it, one he truggy. He doesn't have an e-buggy or e-truggy. How about a nitro truggy? I don't know if I remember him winning nitro truggy. Nope. Yeah, because he hasn't. Because te- between Tesswin and Mayfield, they've won almost all of them. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. So, so Cavalieri needs, needs a nitro <laughs> truggy. So, Cavalieri needs a nitro truggy, an e-truggy, and a... Uh, E buggy, yeah. I mean, there can be a lot of talk. I mean, it is honestly, but Cavalieri also hasn't won four by four short course. So really, Mayfield. I mean, that you know, that's not a big class, but hey, there there was a time where everybody, you know, there was a couple times everybody ran it. Um, right. He needs to bring it back. Well, let's also be a little realistic because this <laughs> is the same talk that you have when you need to talk about. The Joe Montana's, the Tom Brady's, the Michael Jordan's, the Steph Curry's, like the LeBron James. LeBron James. <laughs> Back then, I mean, 
don't get me wrong, they're they're all still winning now. But a, a majority of the the national titles from the three or five people that are for sure veterans, it it seemed like those guys back then. That's all those guys won because they're it seemed like they were racing each other. I think that now that the talent pool is much bigger than it was. Shots fired back then. Shots fired. I'm not even including myself. I'm just saying with Dakota Fenn, Ty Testman. I mean, you have uh, Joe Bornhorst. You have these people. Alex K. Alex is giving me the look. No, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it seemed like when Ryan, Ryan, and Jared were racing each other, they won a lot of national championships just the three of them. That's all, those guys won them all with with a, a long period of time. Mm-hmm. So there is a little bit. It is a little different now than it was. I think. I'm not saying it's easier now or easy or harder now. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> I would agree. Then, I would agree. It's way harder now. That's what you're saying, right? I'm just I'm just saying it seemed like it, everybody talked about oh well Ryan Ryan and Jared were the only ones that won back then those three well, were the only ones. Well, how about this? How about this? It wasn't that long ago that Ty won all three at the ten scale nationals, and he won I believe both at the uh, fuel nationals. So he held all five right at the same time. You are right, and I'm not saying, <laughs> I, and he's a good race for that. Yeah, but I'm I'm just saying over a long period of time, they've had the opportunity. Oh yeah, probably racing only each other to win to add up their their counts and check mark the list in each category. Mm-hmm. So. I just thought I'd put that out. <laughs> so the question is, <clears throat> if we go back to this winning all these races, and Mayfield re- really only has this one two-wheel mod buggy to win. He, he has to win this class at some point. It's amazing he doesn't have that. Yeah. Is it going to happen? Do you guys think he's going to win it? Well, of course I do. <laughs> Come on, you gotta be. Better like, not be, gotta be <laughs> racing me about it. Hopefully, <laughs> you know. Hopefully, I already like, you know, wrap wrap a different class up, and I you know somehow break yeah. or something. <laughs> You're watching. You need, need a break, then. Huh? No, I mean it's the same thing when he didn't when he hit when when he didn't win a world. It's like, is he ever gonna win a world? Is this gonna happen? This and then he did it. And he won both. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I, I don't know. To me, that Ty holding those five in one year, that's freaking pretty impressive. Um, and Dakota had like seven in one year, though, because of the East Cup, too. I Isn't don't that like 2013 or something. I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. If you either. saw my dog right now, it would be going viral. I think. I think uh, 
I think Dakota has won a lot, but I guess I mean Sophie. Sophie won all three. Of, just say he. Just say he won all three of the Enats. So he had three there. Did he, he have four? Okay, he so won that's four. Four I buggy. Two would I buggy. Four would I. But not four. all in the same year. But not all in the same. No, year. that was all the same. Yeah. yeah, it was seven, I think, in one year. Yeah. He won. He run e buggy, e truggy, four wheel drive short course, nitro truggy, two wheel drive buggy, four wheel drive buggy, stadium truck, I believe. Maybe stadium truck. What that the hell was he was <laughs> So I you think, think that that year? So he that year he won. He won two wheel. Uh, so he won two wheel there and four wheel. No, he won. He won two wheel and stadium truck there. So he had two there, three at the E Nationals, and then he had one fuel, I guess, won one of the fuel races. He won Truggy that year. That's because that was Thornhill, I think. I could be right. Yeah, could be right. That's a lot. I mean, that's paychecks, baby, paycheck. <laughs> yeah. Hasn't been near as easy, but he actually has been coming on pretty hard again lately. He's kind of back to yep. being one of the favorites. It's a lot of work. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, if that's true, that's an impressive run, too. I don't, I mean, he's got all these stock nationals. Like, if you talk to his people that are close to him or his, his mom or his parents are like, oh, he's got like 22 roaring. I'm just like, come on. Like, these are like, I'm like these, you know, like ten of them are stock. That doesn't mm-hmm. count. Oh, the other ones, by all means, those are awesome, and maybe you know, but yeah, you can't count ten stock national titles. Yeah, I have two. I don't count them. Yeah. Nice. Nice. <laughs> I'm glad you don't. It's like uh, Tom Brady saying, "Well, I won six uh, Super Bowls, and then I also won. Uh, I won, uh, you know, that uh, high, high school that, that high school championship. So that's seven. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, the, the other question on my page was. Okay, I don't know. I didn't make this up. It says, with me as a mentor, do other aspects of RC interest you like design or product development? We understand your job is to race, but recognizing the importance of people like Jason and BK, have those people given you different perspective on tinkering, designing, just being a tester and a driver versus being just a tester and a driver? So we'll start with Spencer because Alex is actually in school for engineering. So he is pretty clearly um, doing that. So the question was asked, what again? (laughs) It's basically that is anybody in RC that you spent time with um, 
motivated you to want to get into any other aspects of it, like designing or being, uh, you know, in product development somehow, the the design side uh, versus yeah. they're just saying, hey, you know, versus just being a driver and a tester, are you interested in doing other things? Yeah, um, I mean, one of the biggest um, ambassadors in the hobby that's always been um, a mentor for me. I mean, I've always looked up to you, Jason, with a lot of things. And, I mean, you've inspired me a lot with looking at different kind of – looking at – stuff differently and with a different perspective Mm -hmm. and it's always nice to hear what you have to say about the industry and stuff because um, you've been involved with it so long and if I was able to be a part of it in a different category whether that's being some sort of um, ambassador in my own way whether that's being involved with something else other than racing. Um, that's definitely something that I've always, that I see from people like you and um, just being diversified with this, a lot of other areas and um, getting some knowledge and being prepared for whatever it may be. That's something that, I, I definitely want to take up on, um, I mean, I've been kind of getting slowly involved with doing some more media stuff for my, on my behalf with, um, some YouTube stuff and that, uh, we've actually talked on a couple of times, but, um, it doing some media stuff has been really, been really kind of a cool hobby that I've been kind of learning about. And, um, I think that's something that the RC has been kind of missing a little bit for just, individual drivers i think that's something that i want to improve on on my behalf and just to kind of show what it's like to be a racer and what we get to deal with on a regular basis at the events for people that aren't able to afford to go to the races or were unable to make the event and um i think that's something that that's gonna it's gonna like that stuff inspires me to to get back to others and kind of show them the help that was given to me and what I was able to achieve with the help that I've gotten and I'm still getting, it'd be definitely a big honor to, to do that and give it back to someone or to many more kids like me when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's a good answer. Uh, what the, What else we got, Alex? Um, you can talk about your side of it. You're uh, a little deeper in that side of it right now uh, with the engineering. Um, what's your plan there? You can, uh, you know, be in, be in then that. Well, definitely the thing is, I think when I first started high school, I want to be an electrical engineer. Okay. But, uh, during high school, I started traveling a lot, and I got to talk to the engineers that associated a lot more and stuff like that. And it kind of shifted, like, 
and I wanted to be an electrical engineer, but then throughout high school, it shifted more to being a, just a mechanical engineer. And I think that had to do a lot of people, like the guys that associated, like Dino, Dan was a pretty big influence, Cody Numenol, and even Jason Rona, he was a pretty big uh, influence too, because like those guys get to design their own things that they see in their head, and then they get to make it, and then to actually like have that design that they thought about in re- like made and people buying it, I think that was really cool, and that kind of made me become or trying to become a mechanical engineer. And so I don't know. I think it's cool being able to design your own stuff, get it manufactured, get it made, and to see people using it. I think that's pretty special. So I guess that kind of determined my career path. And then gotta give a shout out to those guys. They uh, helped me make my decision, and I'm definitely behind it. I haven't any regrets yet. So thank you, you guys. But uh, I don't know what I'm gonna do after school. Hopefully, you find a. I, I would like to do racing for a couple of years. I don't know, you know, I'll, I always try my best, but I think maybe after school, if I give it my all for like a full year, I might be able to do something with it. But if not, I wouldn't mind, you know, maybe if it's possible, work at associate for a couple of years, be an engineer for those guys or, you know, do something, something in that regard. Okay. okay. That's good. Not bad, right? Yeah, it's a good plan. You, you guys, you guys, uh, you guys are pretty amazing. Oh, I appreciate that. Not all these young kids are bad. We got some good ones over there. Sadly, we're not that young anymore. I know. <laughs> we're getting old. No, I've hung around with you guys. You're definitely young. <laughs> Jason's ready for bed by eight. <laughs> so am I. Yeah. Uh, we'll be watching a movie at 7.59. Will Bay's already passed out. Gotta go back to bed. <laughs> With his puppy. Guy. With his puppy. Yeah. Oh. No, probably passed out on his own a little bit. Have you, guys, have you guys seen uh, Mayfield's latest toy? No. Uh, I think I saw a video on Snapchat. Uh, he has a, a Jeep or a Hummer with like the... With the... Um, <laughs> Like RC, RC, you gotta say it's RC. <laughs> yeah, he he got a he got a a tracks a scale truck and put those tracks on it, so it's got tracks all the way around, and he he tied it to Cason's uh, uh, baby walker, and he was giving him a ride. Did you see that? Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty baller. Yeah. And uh, Kaysen's like walking, like his feet are touching the ground, and like kind of keeping up with the with the truck pulling him. Pretty cool. <laughs> so he's getting that practice in, boys. Mayfield's yep. getting that wheel time. Yeah, he missed all that wheel time at AMS. Yeah, yeah, they go by that scaler, catch back up with you guys. Y'all. All right. Well, anything else you guys want to bring up and uh, maybe give a shout out to your uh, your big sponsors and your supporters and all that good stuff? And... Little buddy, you can go first. You got the longest list. That's right. <laughs> hey, well, uh, I'm going to go ahead and take like... a While well, Spencer's reading the sponsors, I'm going to go take a break. <laughs> 
Hold on, let me find my shirt real quick. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, no, of course, I'd like to thank you guys for having us on. Uh, you, Jason, Gotti, you guys are the, are the, man, I can't even explain. You guys are awesome. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've listened to the podcast multiple times on different uh, segments, and um, it's always a pleasure to be on. But, uh, of course, I'd like to thank Team Associated, Hobby Wing, J Concepts, MX, um, Protech, A-Main Hobbies, Salbox, Fataba. Um, a lot of those, um, all those sponsors really made a big impact in my career, um, along with a lot of the mentors that I've had over the years with uh, you, Jason, you know, Mayfield, Brian, Brent, um, my dad, and just hanging around you guys have really changed my life. And it's been a it's been an awesome roller coaster ride, and I'm looking forward for the many more times that we have at the races. So thank you so much. Yeah, and uh, I'd like to thank all my sponsors too: Team Associated, Reedy, J Concept, <laughs> OS Engine, CP Power, Master Fuel, Sanwall, Factory Team, Sigma One Racing, Makita and Kicker. You guys uh, give me that equipment to dominate, or at least. Let me do the best I can do each weekend I race. And then, you know, the guys like Spencer and said, Brent Selke, Richard Saxon, Jason Rona, Thomas Tran, Paul Wynn, you guys are always at the races supporting us, not just, you know, with, for the race part, but being our friend and making sure we're always in the right mindset to do the best we can. I don't think people that are like on the internet that see the race posts get to like see that part of racing, but you guys are pretty big when it comes to our racing, not just racing, but being our friends. And then, you know, everyone that supports me, otherwise than my sponsors, like my family back home, all the way up in Connecticut, you guys are the best. And I really appreciate what you do. <laughs> oh, what's that for me? Shout out to that was, uh, Ronnie Rifkin with his uh, siren. It's dinner time, I guess, but uh, I'll wrap it up. And thanks to all my fans and everyone that supports me. Truly appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Perfect. Good job, guys. We nailed it. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you having us. Yeah, I pre- right. appreciate you guys we'll being you on and uh, look forward to having you on again for sure. And uh, definitely yeah, be- definitely, definitely before the Worlds, that's for sure. We'll have you on. So. Oh, perfect. Before the Worlds and after. Yep, let's do it. No problem. And uh, best of luck at the Nationals next week to both of you. Thanks. Kick some appreciate ass. Appreciate it. Kick some ass. Let's do it. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. See you. Alex K. and Spencer Rivkin joining us on episode 196. 196. That was awesome stuff, man. That was good. Yeah, it was. A lot of good little rambling. I think people are going to have fun with that one. Um, um, You know, while they're wrenching and just listening to the guys ramble, be good. Yeah. All right. 196 in the books, Jason. We are closing in fast. Closing in. Closing in. All right. So we got you're heading out to the Nationals. When are you leaving? Tuesday. All right. Paul and Thomas are leaving on Monday. They're driving. And I'm going to spend, you know, one extra day here at the shop. Mm-hmm. 
and then uh, I'm gonna fly over there to Austin and uh, get a rental car and join the join the guys when they're setting up. All right. Well, give them hell, bro. Thanks, Scotty, and uh, appreciate everybody listening. Thanks for sticking with us through 196, and uh, we're continuing that road to 200. See ya!